Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 382. Hello to Facebook and Twitter, as well as our Twitch channel. It's KB and Matt coming at you, a little remote style uh, for this episode, and on a Tuesday as well. Uh, We got a lot to dive into. The stove is indeed hot. Not so sure it's hot at Citizens Bank Park, but we're going to get into all the myths and rumors surrounding this Phillies team and we'll see if Dave Dombrowski decides to break some news for us while we're live on the show uh we're gonna get into the Sixers just being you know the Sixers and uh we'll actually get to talk about Survivor and not have to rush into the episode uh like we do every Wednesday but before we get started big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen uh Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades. Guys, I hope you took advantage of Cyber Monday, Black Friday, all that good stuff. Got your holiday shopping in place. But if you didn't, you can still head over to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart with sunglasses, blue light glasses. They got the Tomahawk Athletic Club apparel, hoodies, you name it, they got it. TomahawkShades.com. And when you go to check out, use our code USP. You get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Guys, it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. I'm sure after the Thanksgivings you guys all had, all the shopping you did this weekend, you need to get hydrated. And what better way to do it than with our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. You guys can get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com. And if you want to support the show, put those one liter bottles of vodka in your cart and use promo code USP at checkout to get 10% off those bad boys. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer, use the Kenny tracker at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got Kenwood on tap. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. For the first time uh, remotely, sort of, kind of, in a video format, how you doing, Matt? It has been a while since we went uh, remote style. Uh, I'm living the dream, as always. Living the dream far, well, not far away, let's be real, but (laughs) in a different room. And uh, it technically makes uh, you and Sarah's apartment like underground sports canon to our, our universe now. Yeah, we have we've brought it into the fold. This is uh this is the we're expanding the universe. This is the uh the alternate reality or the <laughs> the, the what if series, I guess. Like, <laughs> it's the Toby Maguire Spider Man. Yes, yes. We uh, don't want to be the Andrew Garfield Spider Man. <laughs> no hate, tons of respect, but just not for me. Yeah. Uh let's get into uh the hot stove, Matt, because it has certainly been hot and some unexpected teams just throwing out ridiculous contracts. Uh, not name the Phillies because 
that's just what we do. We we wait until it's too late. Um, but of course, rumors are swirling around left and right with who the Phillies are linked to, who they have interest in, and if if my mind serves me correctly, I put a tweet out yesterday of who the Phillies have been linked to um, over the past couple of days, and it's it's names that you shouldn't sneeze at because they're they're pretty legit names that over the past couple of years I don't think the Phillies would have been tied to. Obviously, one of them being Starling Marte, who has signed with the New York Mets. What a mistake by him. Uh, you know, just joining the Cicadas, not in their prime, so he'll be just chilling Wait, did, under did the Did Steve Cohen get over his pure hatred of sports agents that quickly? I thought he was still, uh, I thought he was still reeling <laughs> from that. I didn't expect him to turn around so quickly. I think he got so mad that he just went and hate signed everybody that was a free agent that was over the age of thirty-five. Fair enough. Um, but the Phillies uh, have now been linked to. Kyle Schwarber obviously seems like that one's almost inevitable. It all like the amount of times I've seen the Phillies and Kyle Schwarber linked to one another uh, has been astronomical. Of you know since the Red Sox season ended, almost uh, somehow, some way they've been linked to Trevor Story, Michael Conforto, Craig Kimbrell. Like I said, Starling Marte, Chris Bryant, uh, which has been a name that the Phillies have been linked to. I think since Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. And officially, not just us manifesting, but officially there was a tweet saying the Phillies have been in contact with the reps of our guy, Nick Castellanos. Who's the, the Rays player that we're uh, also yeah. being linked to now? So there's two more guys today that got named from the Rays that they're looking to move on from because that's what they it's do. Kiermeyer. Kevin Kiermeyer would be a pipe dream of mine and is a guy that I've wanted to see in a Phillies uniform for like half a decade, and then Joey Wendell as well um, is another guy that the Rays are looking to move on from that the Phillies could have interest in. If they can somehow find a way to get both of those guys, I think it would be fantastic um, because we all know the Rays love to just get rid of good players. Joey Wendell's a local guy. He's from Wilmington, um, so he's he probably grew up a Phillies fan as well, so that uh, would obviously tie in with what John Middleton would want to do. Uh, in terms of bringing guys in. But if they could get Kiermaier here, that solves so many issues that this team has from him being a potential leadoff hitter to the center field defense. He's been a perennial gold glove center fielder and just a guy that knows how to win. He's been on these Rays teams over the past couple of seasons that have made it to the ALCS, the World Series. Like he's He knows what it takes to you know go far into the postseason and kind of help instill a winning culture almost, even though he's coming from a team that obviously is super small market. They reset almost every, you know, three or four years, but it seems like there's an odd number of like high profile players that the Phillies are being linked to. And it seems like that usually doesn't happen, but then everything else is pretty quiet across the board. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what worries me a little bit is obviously I mean, we can't not mention the division and how they have, especially the, the Marlins and Mets, have been very aggressive so far in going out and signing players. The Mets, though, I think lost in all that context has been that they've also lost quite a few players. Yeah. Uh, that the reason that they've had to be so aggressive is because they think they've just lost as many as they've gained at this point. But it's not good when you look at the division and see teams throwing money in, in Europe haven't done anything <laughs> uh, and if you just get one of these big mega signings and that's it because that has been kind of the Phillies MO of 
the last few off seasons is you get this one big guy and then you like go to the Walmart like DVD section three for a dollar, you know, and, uh, and hope that that works in your favor. So I, I hope that things change. I hope that we're not uh, dumpster diving yet again for relief pitching. I, you know, and uh, some of these names are being linked to, I think would, would be clear upgrades, especially Kiermaier from, from what you said and from what I was reading about him. How long have we asked for a center fielder? How long have we, we asked? And I mean, you get him and Castellanos. That's a fantastic outfield that you get a lot of games out of too. I think that's the most important thing is, you know, we've had the platoon so frequently in the outfield. And I think that has been one of the many sources of, uh, you know, when you talk about lack of consistency with the Phillies, I think that's one of the biggest reasons is you know, every seven or eight games, you're switching up two of the three outfield positions, which just hasn't been good <laughs> for, for really anything. Uh, so if you can lock down two like very solid players, Cassianos being a great player and here being a very solid player, like that's, that's just from a roster building situation, a, a much better spot to find yourself in. Um, pitching for me is still like the number one thing. I, I don't know how we could possibly go into another season, especially you consider we, we lose Hector Neris as well. Like, I don't know how you go into a new season having not addressed this at all. Cause you know, I, I get that we love Neris more than many, many others do. Um, I do think he's getting like some of his, his flowers on his way out the door, but he still was a guy that was giving you lots of innings. He was your best year. reliever last year. Yeah, and I, I think you have to replace that volume at the very least. You have to find someone that's going to give you the kind of work that he was able to. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't trust that you're bringing someone up. I, you know, Ranger Suarez is, I think, in my mind, very much a starting pitcher rather mm-hmm. than anyone that you're you're bringing in, you know, for just an inning and a half or something. Like, I, I think you have to find Hector's replacement, and then I still would have wanted, you know, two more pitchers uh, at, at minimum in this offseason. And that's that's where my worry is, is that you're seeing us linked to, like, a few guys, but nothing, and, and a lot of the big names, a lot of the big pitchers that you, you'd want have already been signed. Uh, and, again, I, I just worry that this team is dragging its feet when it should be a little more aggressive. And I don't know if – they're just waiting to kind of see how the market plays out with the starting pitching because that seems to be what's been, you know, everybody has driven after so far to, to start this offseason. You know, you see these contracts getting dished out for Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray, uh, John Gray, my white whale. He'll never be in a Phillies uniform. I've come to that conclusion. Um, you know, just the, the number of starting pitchers that have been signed to, like, absurd contract so far like Robbie Ray gets five years 115 million I think from the Mariners John Gray gets four for 56 from the Rangers which we'll talk about them spending half a billion dollars um Scherzer gets three 130 from the Mets Cindergaard gets like one year like 22 million I think from the Angels like these starting pitching contracts this offseason have been crazy and I'm kind of okay that the Phillies haven't really like dove head first into the starting pitching market in terms of just like signing guys, because a lot of these guys, they're going to come in here and they're still going to be behind Zach Wheeler. And now Zach Wheeler's contract looks like an absolute bargain. Um, Both him and Bryce look Bryce, I think is now the 18th or 19th, like highest paid player in the league. I mean, coming off an MVP year, you'll, take that <laughs> like, and, Wheeler off and it's only going to get better 
I mean, Wheeler in that offseason, I think it, it was fair to say this is not revisionism. This is not, you know, us just being homers. I think it was fair to say in the context of that offseason that Wheeler was the better, like, deal in terms of, like, team friendliness and in terms of, you know, not crucifying yourself yeah. to one pitcher. And not, uh, you know, getting caught with spider tack on his hands like Garrett Cole did. Um, but, I mean, I feel like if you look at the Phillies rotation and if you you kind of have to look at like the numbers and we'll, I don't know if you saw the story, this whole conspiracy about the baseballs this year that major league baseball used two different types of baseballs this year without telling anybody that came out is today. This, is this just every league's uh, complaints? The NBA has been complaining a lot about this too, because they switched uh, sponsors or whatever for the ball. And uh, a lot of players have been upset. And I mean, there are some players that are shooting much better. Uh, Lonzo Ball is one. There's this whole Lonzo Ball conspiracy about how the ball they're shooting now is the one that he grew up shooting and he was shooting much better with it. And that's the one he shot in college. But then when he went to the NBA and it was a different sponsor, he wasn't as good with it. But now it's reverted back. So he's all of a sudden good again. Um, And there are a few players that are seemingly much better now with this new ball. So everyone is upset about... uh, I don't know <laughs> the integrity of the balls. My my thing is, is like if you want to change things up, sure, but at least tell people. Like don't don't let them go in blind. If you're going to use two different types of balls, I, I feel like that's a especially with baseball where, with pitching, like the grips and, and stuff like that that guys use. I think that's a huge you know difference in how guys are going to throw their pitches and you know get the grip on the ball and everything. Um, and whatever ball they use, let it be the ones that Bryce Harper just launched into oblivion uh, moving forward. But I would like that personally, yes. Yeah, we would love to see it. But I think with Aaron Nola, I think you have to expect that things are going to kind of, one not completely 180, but he's going to be better than he was this year. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I, I, you kind of have to go into next year with that optimism. And if you look at the starting rotation for the Phillies when everybody's healthy, it's a serviceable starting five. Like, you have Zach Wheeler, you have Aaron Nola. Um, Ranger Suarez really came on last year and, and proved that he can be a starting pitcher in this rotation. When Zach Eflin's healthy, he's he's up there with, you know, Wheeler and Nola as, you know, one of those guys you can rely on. And then you traded for Kyle Gibson last year, and he's still under contract. So that's five guys in your rotation right now. Obviously, you want to come in with some more depth, and we'll see, you know, what comes from the minor leagues and and everything. Um, you know, potential free agent signings. Hopefully, not name Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. But overall, I'm kind of content with how the rotation looks right now, on paper at least. I do want to see upgrades to the bullpen. I do want to see upgrades to the outfield, and the infield, I think, is still a big question mark. Um, 
across the board outside of especially James defensively. Segura. Defensively, the infield is still, yeah. and I don't know how that changes because I think the Phillies are also in a, a difficult situation there. The outfield, you can see clear areas of upgrade, and we didn't mention what an end of an era it is. Roman Quinn, see ya. <laughs> don't don't pull something out the door. <laughs> it just um, like what a good like what a good person and yeah, just could not stay 100%. healthy. Yeah, that was the bummer with him. He was a very unique player, uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch him play, but just unfortunately could not stay healthy and couldn't hit either, <laughs> which, is, which was problem. an issue. <laughs> um, yeah, the infield is, is difficult because you do feel that there, there should be upgrades, right? Because we know defensively this infield is not good at all. In fact, they're not even average. They're no. very frequently below average defensively, but – you don't feel good about replacing any of these guys uh, in the short term, at least. Um, Gregorius obviously had a really tough year last year, but you know, I, I think you're hoping at least that he bounces back and you know we see something a little better from him. I know he said that he had the elbow issue, which was apparently caused by vaccination. I don't know. He's come the the Facebook vaccine injury uh, <laughs> groups and, the and figure that one out. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I don't know how you fix that with with any kind of acquisition because I don't know who you're getting that's a significant enough upgrade to warrant going out there and and spending big money on the outfield. I think is yeah, you've highlighted the the clear area where you can improve the most uh, on this on this team and yeah, the the bullpen. I mean, Christ alive, like <laughs> just something, just give us something. You know, give us give us two guys at the very least that are dependable. We're not asking that you go sign. Uh, someone that's that's going to be like a a, a 0.83 ERA, like just amazing, you know, like high FIP, whatever. Like we're asking for like genuinely average bullpen guys would put the Phillies in a, a much better situation. You know, if you think of the last two seasons and all the times that you've sat in August and September and said, well, if we had just had an average bullpen at any point this year, we would have, you know, five, six, seven more wins at minimum. Uh, and that can very much be the difference. So, yeah, that's that is the the clear focus, and it has to be for the Phillies this offseason. I, I just hope that they do it. You know, and and even with starting pitching, I'm not totally sold on the starting pitching. I I, I do think like the back end of that could listen. I love Ranger Suarez. I think he's been amazing, but you also saw like two months of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced that that's like you go all in on Ranger Suarez because the Phillies been burned by that before. Uh, you know, we've just shipped off a lot of our experiments. I'm sorry, but like it just, I hope it doesn't turn into a Vince Velasquez thing. I'm not trying to get ahead of this and say that he's going to be Vince and it's going to be, but I hope that it just doesn't turn into every year. Like, well, he could turn, you know, if we just see a little more of that, like the Phillies are not in the let's see position anymore. Mm -hmm. They are in that we need value, known value right now. We need like high floor, high ceiling guys. We're not really like in the position anymore to be like, betting on players or, or hoping just to hit you no know, gold because the Phillies, you just had an MVP year from Bryce, you just had a Cy Young year, almost year from, from Wheeler. Like you need to, to get to a point where this roster is actually competitive and in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think the, the positive outlook on Ranger Suarez is that the consistency was there over the two months. You know, there was maybe one or two starts in there where he got shelled a bit, but other than that, it was pretty consistent across the board for what they were asking from him. And I'll take that as a positive from him. And if he's your four or five going into the year, I think you can do a lot worse 
and you did a lot worse last year when you had Matt Moore and Chase Anderson in the rotation, um, which is the interesting thing across the board with the the infield defense and like Didi Gregorius still being under contract, and yet the Phillies are still being linked to Trevor Story. People are are trying to figure out ways because it's odd after you know Corey Seager signs for ten three twenty five with the Rangers. And, you know, Marcus Simeon also signs with the Rangers for seven years, $145 million, a guy who's played second base and shortstop. Carlos Correa is still out there, and it seems like there's no buzz around him whatsoever. And I know the whole Astros cheating allegations and scandal and everything, but, like... It could have maybe be because he was the loudest asshole out of all the uh, Astros. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> the loudest trash can banger. Um, yes. But, like, if you can, if his market is so depreciated right now, I'd put feelers out there for Carlos Correa. That dude can mash. He can play infield defense better than anybody on this Phillies roster. And who's to say that, you know, he doesn't become, become that lovable villain in Philadelphia? I do think if we're talking strictly value, yes, 100%. Like, there, there's clearly, uh, clearly an opportunity, at least, to maybe get this guy on, on a cheaper deal. And that's. Again, what the Phillies have done, uh, you know, in years past that we, we highlighted before. So, yeah, Carlos Correa, uh, it'd be tough to root for, you know. It, <laughs> and, but, you know, in the past, Philly athletes have done that. They've come uh, into situations where in the past they were a hated character, and I think we've embraced them, and sometimes they turn it around. Although it'd be, it would be hard for me to uh, to really get all behind Carlos Correa uh yeah, I'll be honest. That's a tough sell for me. That's a tough one for me. It would take some time. It's, and it's just so weird that, like, you know, he's an all-star. Like, remove all the, you know, stuff that happened with the Astros and everything. Just I'd love to. I'd love if we just... <laughs> and, I mean, you, you can honestly kind of look at it this year because Dusty Baker's been there. He wasn't a part of the whole Astros cheating scandal. And is still mashed and was still, you know, an all-star player high caliber gold glove candidate, you know, it, it's odd that like, he's still like, even some of these teams that are, you know, bottom barrel teams that are just looking to make a splash, not going after Carlos Correa kind of is mind boggling. Like Javi Baez signs for six years with the Detroit Tigers. Like a team like that is where I was going to assume Correa was going to end up um, kind of just to like, push the Astros thing even further behind him. Um, but, I mean, if he's available on the cheap, and on the cheap being, you know, still a pretty a pretty price tag, I'd, I'd explore it at least, especially when there's another guy out there who his price tag should be through the roof, and yet, allegedly, he's asking for under $200 million. Freddie Freeman is apparently looking yeah, for a I six-year, $180 million contract. If I'm the Phillies, I'm throwing him like double that. I was I was taken aback by that. I wasn't sure if we're going to get to it because you would think coming off I hate what the sentence I'm about to say. You'd think the Braves coming off a World Series win would want to re-sign like their, their first ballot Hall of Famer, like the face of the Braves, uh, in like no questions asked. But I mean, I'm not saying this just because I love to to dig into the Braves a little bit, but they do have a <laughs> habit of not paying players. Like this yes. is, this is a thing that the Braves have done in the past. This is not out of character for them. Uh, I just did not expect Freddie Freeman to be a casualty of this. I wonder if maybe this is just, you know, they're going to get their price and he will be a brave. I'd be very surprised if he isn't. 
uh, because I think also the fans of the Braves would probably be pretty pretty ticked if yeah. he's not back, especially to get the ring. You know, like I, Can I you think about the amount of trash they throw on the field if he came back in a Phillies uniform. Yeah, you remember that? You remember when they threw garbage in May? In, in, <laughs> what's the Braves Stadium called? Uh, what's, what's their sponsor? I think it's Truest Park now. Truest Park disgusting name uh you remember when they littered truest park in may because of a, a blown call disgusting disgusting fan base what a franchise it's and apparently no worse than throwing batters at santa in 1927 <laughs> um but i mean with with freddie freeman that's a guy that is like you said he's a first ballot hall of famer perennial all-star perennial gold glove and silver slugger candidate like if he's only asking for 180 million dollars if I'm Dave Dombrowski, I am, like, telling John Middleton to, you know, like, go look behind him. There's a cigar factory, and I'm stealing his wallet and going paying Freddie Freeman the max on his credit card. Because that's a guy, that's a can't-miss free agent signing. One thing, thing I'll say about Freddie Freeman is I hate his teeth. Uh, they're yeah. too big for his face. I, I think he had, like, fake teeth. Uh, if he's a Philly, I'll get over that. I'll, yes. I'll make I'll make myself live with it. Uh, when he resigns as a Brave, though, and I have to see him on the big big screen the Citizens Bank, and he has these these massive you like half of his face is teeth, and not in like a flattering way. It's like, like Chip it just, Skylark, he looks, he looks full. Like he looks <laughs> like he like uh, I don't know. He looks like someone like used the drag tool on Photoshop a bit too aggressive. But yeah, I mean. Uh, if you can get Freddie Freeman, like you, you have to be in on that. And then the other uh, free agent pitcher rumor is that the Phillies are uh, in serious talks with Corey Knievel, who I still am mind blown that he's only thirty years old because it feels like he's been in the majors for like fifteen years. Um, obviously, he was controversial for uh dave roberts starting him during the playoffs instead of an actual starter they had bullpen games going and he was the guy that started the games for them i mean he's a couple years removed from being like that lockdown closer Corey kniebel that was with the brewers but that's the type of guy that the Phillies should be going after for this bullpen is a guy who has playoff experience can pitch in the back end of the bullpen can potentially give you multiple innings it you know if they can lock that down, I'm totally cool with that signing, especially after you let Hector go, which we're going to get into our, our Hector eulogy uh, because that's our guy and has been our guy. But after letting Hector Neris walk and go to the Astros of all teams, you need to replace that. And Corey Knebel, I think, is you know a solid replacement for Hector Neris. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, again, you know, we <laughs> you need to – not only going into this year where we're talking about having to add two or three guys, now you have to replace Hector and all that he gave you uh, in these last few years and last season as well because, you know, he's the only consistent guy. I know that, again, we like him more than others. I know that I think the Phillies fan base's whole is probably a little bit more lukewarm on Naris and his, like, actual talent and ability. Uh, but I think people have, have lost in the fog a little bit that Naris is a very, very – solid bullpen pitcher for us in a time where i mean god almighty like we didn't have anyone like and he was he was very frequently the only person that i felt at least comfortable with uh you know coming on you know it, you know in the seventh or eighth inning because anyone else it was just immediate danger signs whereas naris you could get a good night out of you know uh pretty frequently too i think naris the only thing was that he does have a tendency to i think 
when Neris like implodes, it is like it's obvious from the beginning. Like there is, he's like a bad poker player. He has a tell, or you immediately know that this is over. Like he is going to give up like four hits. It's right the back now. to back like, to back home run game in LA. Yes, like you just know right away that it's it's going to go south, and I think that's why people people get a little more emotional about it. But I mean, you look at Knievel's numbers like last year; they're very similar to Neris. Like you know, he's, he's slightly worse in some areas, slightly better in some areas. Like they're they're pretty. I think they're a pretty good comp for each other um, around the same age as well, too. So it's not like you're, you're, you're really upgrading or downgrading in that regard. So, yeah, in terms of just bringing in a guy that's going to give you very similar types of numbers, um, you could do a lot worse for sure. Yeah, and you and I are going to miss Hector Neris a ton. He was Hector the Protector. Um, you know, that two-minute and 37-second video of him just riding around on a horse. Um, he posted on his Instagram today, you know, he leaves the Phillies as the all-time leader in strikeouts by a relief pitcher. Um, 500 career strikeouts. Like, people really did not put enough respect on Hector Neris's name, but he wrote on his Instagram the caption, uh, It's a bittersweet day for me as I bid farewell to an incredible city that I will cherish forever in my heart. To the one and only team I've played for until now, thank you to the Phillies organization for signing me as a 21-year-old and giving me the first opportunity to play the game I love as a professional and then helping me to fulfill my dream as a big league player to all my former teammates and Phillies coaches, scouts, office, and stadium staff. You have my greatest respect and wish you the best. Lastly, the Philadelphia fans, your passion always inspired me to give my all. And I will always keep your fire inside of me as I start this new chapter in my career. Legend. Nurse, nurse picked 74 innings last year for us. I mean, that's, that is a lot to replace. That's, that's a lot to get to. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy that will kind of look favorably on. I think in like 10 years, people will look at like Naris and his time here and think like, yeah, like that was. He'll that be was a wall a of famer. Yeah, like I, I think people will look back on him and think really awesome guy. Like never like an issue either. Like I think always like good, uh, definitely seemed like a good teammate. Always seemed like a like a, a lovable like guy. Never seemed to like breeze like issues at a time again where the Phillies were at their very worst. He was here for our our worst tenure <laughs> right off the back of it. Uh, some of the darkest days he was around for us. So if there's ever a time to be a little bit unruly, you know, play Fortnite in the middle of games, uh, you know, Neris was, uh, was there for that time and he, he never did. And uh, yeah, he's a great performer. So I will miss him. He's one of the few Astros that I will root for. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't get there yet. I Just will... for him personally. I, yeah, I... like, I, you know, I'll, like, I won't feel as bad if we watch them, you know, go on, like, a World Series run because it's Neris, and I'll be like, you know, fair enough. But um, I can't, I just can't, I can't get there yet with them. Luckily, with Correa potentially leaving Houston, there's only two guys left there uh, of name from that cheating scandal with Altuve and Bregman. So, <laughs> day by day, the Houston Astros are recouping uh you know their their name to being non-cheaters because george springer's in toronto and uh gray is on his way out thankfully the poison is splitting through the the <laughs> bloodstream is all that i hear that's <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully hector uh is like get these fucking trash cans out of here you lousy cheaters <laughs> just rides through them on his horse i'd love to see that um uh, i hope the astros just tweet out videos of Hector riding on a new Texas ranch with like zillions of horses that he's just taking care of and loving. 
that would be uh, that would definitely be a good uh, good PR bit. That has to be why he signed in Houston. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Could be. I mean, Houston... Or like a factor... Houston for like, you know, I, I know that we don't like the Astros, but Houston, the city itself is supposedly mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, I hear the traffic's awful, but it's apparently like an incredibly, incredibly diverse city too. So a uh, lot, lot to do there at least. Um, the weather there though, that's a little bit much for me. Yeah. Maybe Hector's cool with it, but not sure I'd be signing up for that. But I guess, you know, you get the money he did. You do your thing. Do your thing. Get paid. Uh... This this free agency period, though, beat writers and stuff have talked about it. It's, it's been like NBA free agency almost with how quickly guys have signed and just the, the price tags we've seen. Like the Texas Rangers, the most random team who have not been relevant since 2011, spending over half a billion dollars on like four guys. They got that Bush money. What are you... you know? <laughs> They they're like going. COVID all was in. very good to the Bush family. I mean, <laughs> it's like every other day, the Rangers are signing this guy. The Rangers are signing that guy. They get uh, an MVP candidate from the American League and Marcus Simeon. They get Corey Seager on a ten-year deal from the Dodgers. They get John Gray, and across the board, I mean, these contracts that are being handed out in free agency so far. I feel like have one been the quickest turnaround, like at this point of the off season we've seen in a very long time, obviously with the lockout pending in, uh, you know, T minus like four and a half hours. Um, yeah. I was going to say, no one is really, I think Matt Gelb had this in his article today for the athletic about the looming, uh, lockout. And, um, it does like Jeff feel Passons, like, like the only one talking about it. It does feel like no one's really mentioning that there's a very like, real chance that there isn't baseball uh, which maybe the Phillies maybe that's why the Phillies aren't signing anyone because like hey. Hey, we know where this is going <laughs> Dave Dombrowski is just just absolutely keyed in he is he's in the know <laughs> it's like Dombr- um, it's like that episode of Spongebob where uh the mom and her kids are walking by Sandy it's like don't look too close you'll catch it stupid Dombrowski's caught Middleton stupid <laughs> it does feel like uh to use a very recent analogy, it does feel like, you know, like pre-COVID times mm-hmm. when it was like uh, COVID was new and everyone was like going to the grocery store and like buying up stuff is like, we. it feels like everyone's like buying up players and it's like, you don't need 27 rolls of toilet paper like yeah. right now. You're gonna, you, you know, you're gonna be sitting on that for a while. So maybe rethink that purchase. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure that you need Corey Seager, Texas Rangers. Uh, I mean, they were one of the worst teams in baseball last year. I, I I have to imagine that this is not going to single-handedly turn their fortune around. Um, 
it's a strange decision by them to go this deep into into the pit, but clearly, clearly they have a plan. Um, yeah, I don't know what that plan is, but they have one, and it's a tough division. So good luck. Yeah, and I mean Kevin Gosman also signing a five year deal with the Blue Jays. Um, Starling Marte getting that four year deal from the Mets. Um, no thanks. Eduardo Rodriguez signing a five-year deal early, like a couple weeks ago now with the Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, there have been some pretty exorbitant contracts handed out that I've seen. You know, Steven Matz last week obviously signing that deal with the Cardinals. Mark Conha uh, going from the A's to the Mets. The amount of money being tossed around over the past couple of days to, you know, from teams that are just coming out of the woodwork unbelievably is uh is pretty interesting to me and the biggest names still unsigned right now uh carlos correa chris bryant freddie freeman uh and oddly enough and it's pretty funny that he feels like he's being disrespected rightfully so by the mets marcus stroman uh he has been very verbal about how he feels the way the mets have uh you know been handling their off season and why they haven't even put an offer in to re-sign him. If I'm the Phillies, I'm hey, looking... Marcus, how would you like to move 90 minutes uh, southwest? <laughs> right. You know, if, if I'm the Phillies or if I'm any team, just in general, in the NL East, and I see the Mets doing what they're doing to Marcus Stroman, I'm signing him immediately. Like, that is such a an added motivational factor for a guy who's already coming in with a chip on his shoulder because people didn't believe in him when he was, you know, growing up, going through college. He was a smaller guy. They didn't think he would make it in the majors. Does what he does with the Blue Jays. Gets traded to the Mets. Continues to pitch really well for them. I'm going and signing that guy and making the Mets look like absolute morons every time he's out there pitching against them. I mean, you could have you could have two of those guys now. You could have Stroman and, and Zach Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> As as your like one two punch, uh, I can't lie, that'd be great. But um, and with Strowman's like swagger and like the confidence he plays with, it would play so well here. Oh yeah, you definitely he would be like well loved for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I no doubts at all. You know the the Mets are interesting because obviously they go get Scherzer, which is like, I mean, let's be real, it's a big coup, but it's also it does feel very New York in that it's like you get the big name, you get the big guy, uh, but it's like. It's not really Max Scherzer anymore. He's still great. Like, there's mm-hmm. absolutely, there's, I'm not saying that he's like, <laughs> you know, a, a bad pitcher, of course, but like, it's like if, if like Clayton Kershaw was a free agent and the Yankees signed him, you know, it's like, yeah, you have like Clayton Kershaw, like in name only, really. Like, you're not, you don't really have Max Scherzer at the peak of his powers anymore. Like, he's, definitely on like a downward trend now um which is still a great pitcher you know downward for him is still like uh you know potential Cy Young conversation but uh yeah it it is interesting though like the the additions they've made because they've obviously lost players but you know Starling Marte is someone who went on the Phillies but then you look at the years and the price and you think I'm actually maybe okay with the Mets uh paying that bill (laughs) you know like I think we'll have I think the Mets are interesting too because we know they had a lot of injuries last season. I think there's like reason to believe. And I mean, this is important to the Phillies because you're talking about a divisional rival. It is, there is good reason to believe that the Mets will be better this year. And mm-hmm. I think they've, they've made aggressive signings. You know, the Marlins again are, you'd expect to at least improve in some way. Um, 
they went and got a Braves. catcher this you know from the Pirates who's like a, a world class catcher, so they won't have right. Jorge Alfaro. So he'll he'll be a Philly in uh, eight years, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll trade our top that's, prospect for him, and that's the way the succession plan goes. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean the division itself, I think, has has on the whole improved. Uh, you don't want to be the team that's like standing there waiting uh, without making any kind of uh, advancement. Which, oddly enough, Matt, you brought him up. Clayton Kershaw is a free agent. Um, so it, that would feel very Yankees if they went and signed Clayton Kershaw. Uh, what do you make of the Trevor Story stuff, though? Because I feel like that is so odd for the Phillies to be linked to Trevor Story the way that they have. Like I've seen multiple reports where it's like, yeah, the Phillies have interest in Trevor Story. Um, they've talked with his reps. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, he's 29, which he's in, like, the prime of his career. But to go and get a guy who has played his whole career in Colorado, you obviously have to factor that in. But, you know, when he's played anywhere else, he's also hit really well. But, you know, to do it for a full 82 home game slate somewhere else other than Colorado, you got to see how that plays out. And the money that he's going to command is is going to be pretty high. I just don't see how it makes sense for the Phillies to be in on Trevor Story. Yeah, it's... It is interesting, and again, this is like when we were talking about infield upgrades. Is Trevor Story that much of a, an infield upgrade? I'm not sold on that uh, for for the money. Like, like if you're just thinking, like truly, like how much you're spending on, on a potential Trevor Story deal compared to what you already have. I mean, I guess if you think DD is is kind of if this You'd is have DD is and he's DD. and he's you know this is the last year of his deal as well, and maybe you sell a team on that. Um, he would be, an, I think he would be an upgrade on, on DD, especially if we're talking about him from last season for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think if, if that's like your long-term plan here, he's a good signing, but without, you know, that foresight, without knowing that it is a little bit of a head scratcher being linked to him so heavily. Um, sometimes you wonder too, if it's just like someone in the Phillies front office doing someone a favor, you know, and like, yeah, you can throw our name in there and, uh, you know remember us the next time that we're negotiating with you or something like that. And a lot of the stuff that gets leaked about the Phillies is agents because the Phillies play everything so close to the vest. That's just how they have been, you know, for as long as I can remember. Um, But, you know, nothing, nothing would surprise me one way or another. Um, And uh, this is from Evan uh, Drellich right now. He said MLB and MLB, MLBPA plan to meet again tomorrow morning, whether they wind up uh, bargaining up until the 11.59 p.m. expiration of the CBA is to be seen. Uh-oh. Rut-row, Raggy. That's like, that just genuinely does not sound promising in, in the slightest. I, not uh, at all. So I, I will say, like, uh, Trevor Storet, you know, I, I know we moved away from that a little bit. I do think he's a very clear upgrade on DD. Uh, you know, I was just looking at the numbers a little more in depth and um, he's good. I, th- <laughs> I, I think, I think if you're, if you're really, if you're the Phillies and you're really out on DD and you think last year's like a, a sign of things to come, this is not just a rut. Um, even defensively, you're, you're talking about a much, much improved situation. Yeah. And uh, this is, like as of eight minutes ago from the athletic Jorge Rojas tweeting uh, the Marlins acquire infielder Joey Wendell from the race for prospect Cameron Misner. So the Marlins uh, get the Wilmington, Delaware native from the race. How are the Marlins more aggressive than us? 
They've made two big time deals now today. They go and yeah. get their their catcher, and now they get Joey Wendell. And yeah, Jeets down there. Jesus, <laughs> come on. He's got that Yankee break. Money. Yeah, uh, but now, like, if you're the Phil, you have to go and get Kevin Kiermaier now. Like, that has to be prerogative number one to fill that gap in center field that has been there since Shane Victorino got traded in 2012. <laughs> like that is the last good That's center fielder the Phillies have had. Um, you have to go and get a Kiermaier and somebody to play left field. And honestly, if you have Kiermaier and Bryce out there in the outfield, I'm okay with having a below, like a not below average, but like a, a lesser defensive left fielder like a Nick Castellanos in left field or a Schwarber, one of those two guys out there playing left field because they'll hit. And then you'll have Kiermaier and you'll have Bryce out there defensively as well. But then, you know, it also plays into who's playing your infield defense and hopefully your pitching staff keeping the ball out of the outfield. But the stove is hot, but Dombrowski seems to be asleep. Sleepy Dave uh, at the wheel for the fills, but Matt, uh, our boy Joel Embiid is back, um, but the Sixers, they are uh, just being the Sixers, up and down like B-Ball Paul is between Delaware and Philadelphia. Tough uh, tough first game back for Embiid in terms of not his own performance, but uh, the team themselves, I think, just not, uh, not finding the way. That was a tough one because you really wanted to see that win go down in overtime. That sucks, frankly. Um, I did not care, by the way, for D'Angelo Russell's yeah, what a scumbag uh, post game comments. Like, just an insufferable person. <laughs> like, what an absolute loser. Uh, something about something about those guys that that draft class. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> um, you obviously get right with the magic, and you know it, now you have the the team kind of healthy again, and that's that's what's really important. You know. Um, Jake Milton was back to, you know, he was a, a very, very brief injury stint. But Embiid looks like himself, um, and that's good to see. I think that's the most important thing out of all of this. Obviously, the Sixers have, have put themselves in a, a very poor position because of the circumstances with Embiid and uh, with some of the other injuries. But, you know, if you see more of these games and now you do have, I don't want to say uh, – an easier schedule, but it's certainly not quite the gauntlet like West Coast road trip that you had. Uh, you do have some more winnable games coming up now for the Sixers. Um, but, you know, like, I, I just think, I think with Embiid back, you can feel a lot more comfortable where this team is at. This team was playing fantastic with him before uh, he was out with COVID, and you have to believe that that's the team that this is. Uh, Maxi is, is obviously taking a, a step forward this year and has been fantastic. And you're looking forward to seeing him play more, and yeah, I, I think I think you're going to see a, just a, a more enjoyable Sixers now, and a Sixers that you enjoy, like actually want to watch play basketball. Uh, because frankly, it was, it was unwatchable a lot without Embiid. So now with with him back in the fold, and again, you know, looking right away, very much himself again. That was the most important thing for me as well, just to make sure because you know, uh, I remember Jason Tatum last year was saying that he had to uh, use an inhaler still uh, while he was playing because of. Uh, the long-term effects that he had from his COVID infection. So it's good to hear that Embiid, he, it sounded he, from his own words, he had a very difficult time uh, with, with COVID. And um, that's Put obviously the most Philly way possible too. Yeah. Yeah. He John did. hit he, me hard. He gave us, he gave us a good John, uh, which was nice. Um, and it was also nice, you know, Kat, you know, I, I would encourage anyone who hasn't heard about Kat's story with COVID yeah. over the last two years now uh, to definitely, 
do some reading about that and he's spoken about it and, and written about it and it's very enlightening. Um, it was really nice to see, or I guess really hear what he had to say to Embiid. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like these are people and I think Kat has obviously been deeply affected like many of us haven't with COVID. And uh, it was nice just to hear from him giving nice words to Embiid because I know that those two have had uh, feuds and I think have gotten, it's gotten a little too personal at times, but it's nice to be reminded that at the end of the day, like that stuff is uh, just on the surface, like beneath it all, they, they, they can, you know, they can be sincere towards one another. That was really good uh, on, on a personal note to see. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already No. I think that's how it we always went, goes. Like, like, we like, minutes, and we were at, like, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. And uh, before we keep it pushing with the Sixers, uh, Aunt Rena checking in, Matt. <laughs> hi, Aunt Rena. I'm glad uh, Kiki says hi. I say hi to Kiki. Um, had to ask this, too, because for the longest time, we have kind of refused to bring this next person up on this podcast. But I feel like we can bring him up again. Because he has debunked all of the media rumors around his tenure in Philadelphia. Markel Fultz. I don't know if yeah. you saw yeah. the clip. Came like, out and said, like, truth. all the bullshit that has been, you know, swooned around with, you know, the media talking about his time here in Philadelphia was just complete nonsense. Yeah, so... Fultz is like an interesting case in that I think the like myth around him got bigger without, uh, I didn't see the full interview. I just saw the one clip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like Fultz is an, an interesting character. Obviously we know that there's like, he's going to say what he's going to say. We, you know, we, there, you can't believe everything uh, on both sides, but, uh, I do think there was more to faults than uh, than we'll ever truly understand. And yeah. I still think there's more to that story than we'll ever fully understand. But I do like as well that he was defending the Philly fans, saying that, let's be honest, we rooted for faults all the way. And it's the same with, with Ben Simmons. Uh, this, like These fans have never turned on him. They, they, they never – it wasn't until – I would say the the lawyer incident and El yeah. Brand having to do that like impromptu press conference that everyone it wasn't even so much anger as it was just like all right like it's very obvious this relationship is burnt let's just move on like it's time for us to move forward um, it never really got 
super negative and, and all the way through supported. I, I think, uh, especially in game, if you want to see a game at that time, people were very, very, uh, you know, energetic about faults and very encouraging. And, and that's how we've treated every sixer. I don't think there's a single sixer, uh, in the last seven or eight years that hasn't received a lot of positive treatment. Um, Except I think for JJ the- Redick. But even then, people love JJ. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it, there, there's definitely, like, it's, I would say, like, online Sixers, probably not, yeah. not caring for JJ. But, like, when you went to a game, people totally. love JJ Redick. And, you know, like, it, <laughs> he had a kind of iconic JJ Redick. Redick. Like, yeah. people liked him. And, I, again, I think. I'll, I'll pretty- say there is one person that just came to mind. Glenn Robinson the third. Everybody hated him his second we round. And you know why? We do not appreciate tardiness. Yes. That's why. We him are, and Alec we are, Burks. We are an on-time city. That's why. We like to, when we say 705, we mean 705. Yeah, we mean which is it. why I love whenever the Sixers play the Knicks and, and Sixers Adams there. He's like, oh, Alec Burks decided to show up to the game tonight. <laughs> Glenn um, Robinson the third, though, I think was just a uh, uh, circumstance of uh, late to the party and uh, was absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah, he got dysentery on his way through the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I think, I think, still though, you know, it never, but you know, the fault stuff, kind of a good timely interview. I yeah. think. <laughs> because it was nice to hear, like, from him saying, like, yeah, they rooted for me. Because I don't think we ever because heard we that did, from him. Because that we is did. The truth. <laughs> yeah. And we never really heard that from Markel because he kind of just went silent throughout the whole thing, which, like, not mad Didn't about help, I, I would say at the time I yeah think in terms of like speculation about what was going on with him but not that he owes us you know the world doesn't owe us all explanations and things like that but yeah it, it's good to hear from a player that uh they actually enjoyed their time here and that the fans were actually very supportive um, kind of a nice palate cleanse kind of nice to hear i don't know it's kind of nice it's almost to like not a, just be a the, soft uh, reset for mark it's kind of nice to just not be the, like the easy <laughs> villain yeah. you know that everyone wants to paint uh philly sports to be sometimes um, that, that was like oh you know if mark ever a free agent and wants to come back here i wouldn't be mad i'm not sure i'm at that stage but <laughs> we'll see you know obviously you know mark i think has an interesting career ahead of him mm-hmm. you know he's Obviously, he had injury issues with the Sixers and then has obviously the interest stuff with the Magic in that career so far. So I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see how Marco felt. But when he was playing with the Magic in that, that brief period, he did look pretty good. Uh, the shooting was still not there, but he at least seemed a lot more like confident and aggressive. Um, I just, I, damn, I do I wish that we could see faults that we thought we were getting. Like, I go back. And, and see some of those highlights that you know, occasionally they'll pop up on the Twitter or on my YouTube feed. And I watched the way that he played and I still feel like, like at the time it seemed like a reasonable pick. It seemed yeah. like a, a, a clear, good fit that he like, and you know, like, and that's the thing I, I think so often in drafts, it's so easy to go back and do the hindsight thing and, and say, well, you should have done this. You should like if you make every correct and and right choice in your life, you're you, obviously you're going to be a billionaire. But you know, like yeah. that's just not the reality. With everything we knew at the time, at least that we knew, you know, maybe maybe they should have done some more homework on some things. But um, from everything we knew at the time, it's a good pick, it, and it it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense for the Sixers at the time, and it just didn't work, and that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then tomorrow night, or by the time you guys are listening to this on the podcast feed-wise, uh, Wednesday night, I should say, 
the uh, the 2021-22 Sixers play the 2019-2020 Sixers in Boston. Um, I just hope Embiid absolutely just goes nuclear on them. Yeah, this is the the first time we're playing the Celtics too, right? So far this year, that's kind of uh-huh. rare, isn't it? I feel like we I've I feel like so often we've like had uh, yeah. like the season opener against them, or you know, played them very game. early on, one of like the early like marquee games. Uh, so this is the first time we're seeing the Celtics who similar to us have had a, a crap start to the year for different reasons. I would say it's never good when like three weeks into the season you're having a players only meeting. Um, I would say that's usually not a good sign. Uh, overall but um they've not been a team saying, i think that's they, they've been this is fault but like didn't the sixers in 2019 2020 have a few players only meetings as well uh several they had several players only meetings um i don't know maybe it's just the magic of brad stevens <laughs> or maybe it's al horford maybe it's al horford maybe he's just big on uh getting everyone some nice refreshing chocolate milk uh, and, and really re-energizing and, uh, and refueling for the next game by drinking a child's drink. I I have to say, the chocolate milk being some like pro-sport recovery drink is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, and I can't believe it works. Because milk is already like propaganda. It's actually not good for you at all. Yeah, it's gross. Chocolate milk is no better. It's just sugar in milk. You can't tell me that Al Horford and Clay Thompson are chugging chocolate milk. Maybe Clay Thompson, simply yeah. because he just seems like he likes the taste of chocolate milk. You cannot convince me these guys are actually drinking chocolate milk after games. Refuse to believe it. I saw a tweet the other day. It's, it's wild to me that we, like, 90s babies grew up with commercials advertising milk. Not, an, not a brand, just milk. Milk. They had uh, Lizzie McGuire who was in your cafeteria with a milk mustache. It's the it's one of the the biggest marketing schemes of all time. Milk is not good for you. Dairy Big is not milk. good for you. None of it is good for you. It's bad actually. It is bad <laughs> for the animals. You should stop drinking milk. Like we're we're the only species that thinks it's okay to drink another animal's milk. As, what yes. are we doing? Grow up. Yes. Um well said. <laughs> it's the, not your milk, don't drink it. Yeah. Get your hands off someone else's milk. Um, I mean, the Sixers are eleven and ten. With Embiid back, I think things will start to to turn around, and we'll start to see you know the team we were expecting and hoping for. Um, but you know, the the month of December, Celtics. Then you know you got the Hawks on Twitter, you know, tweeting about oh let's run it back against the Sixers, and I just want to absolutely throw my phone off a bridge. Uh, then you get the Hornets twice, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Nets, the Pelicans, the Celtics again in Boston, then the Hawks again uh, in Philadelphia, then the Wizards in a back-to-back, um, or I'm sorry, the Wizards and the Raptors, then the Nets, um, and that's your December schedule. So. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Not an easy, not an easy schedule. In not easy by any stretch. And no Christmas game. Uh, 
which I'm actually God okay bless with. us everyone. I'm actually I'm actually okay with you know I'm glad with the last Christmas game we played being the one against the Bucks. I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm cool with that being the story that has been written. Um, yeah, it's it's not an easy overall easy. There's I think there's very winnable games in there though, and there, I, it's strange to say, but especially this next week, uh, you're looking at Celtics, Hawks, and two against the Hornets. Those are all teams with the same record as you currently. Uh, so you have the chance to kind of undo a lot of what has been done with this Embiid absence, um, you know, due to COVID. So you hope that you get, I don't know, two out of four at least in this stretch would be great. Uh, you know, three out of four would be fantastic. I, I don't think you, you sweep through all these, but um, you like your chances a lot more with, with this full health, health full healthy roster. Um, I, you know, again, you know, we're looking forward about what this team is going to do and, and, and trades, um, that's hard to project, predict and project. Uh, for right now, you, I think you have to take this team as it is and accept that. That's not easy to do because this team is flawed, <laughs> especially when you're missing your second best player. But um, I do think that there's there's good performances, you know, and, and there's there's still decent enough players on here that you'll be able to uh, be able to pick up wins in this regular season. Yeah, and the schedule makers realizing that we haven't played the Hornets in a while, so let's give them you know two games in a row against the Hornets. I, I feel like we always play the Hornets in back-to-backs. I feel like we very rarely play the Hornets uh, just like at the beginning and the end of the season. I feel like it's always like in big clusters. Yeah, it's like here's four games against the Hornets in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. Uh, let's get Michael Jordan on the podcast. And most times we have. Most yeah. times we really have enjoyed that. So I actually <laughs> I kind of appreciate uh, giving us the Hornets so often as they have. I wonder if we can get a, a joint broadcast for those games where we can get Kate Scott and Ala, but also get the Hornets announcer who goes absolutely insane when anybody from the Hornets does anything of note. You got to love a guy who pumps up his own team. And is a complete yeah. unabashed homer. You can kind of have to respect the hustle, actually. So. You know, Miles Bridges dribbles the ball. Oh, my God, Miles Bridges! <laughs> He's like the Gus Johnson of the NBA. He loves Miles Bridges. And Miles Bridges has been good this season so yeah. far. So you know what? If you're going to hype someone up, hyping Miles Bridges, you could do a lot worse. There are worse players in the Hornets to hype up than Miles Bridges. He at least gives you highlights. Anytime you Miles Bridges you- dunks the ball, I'm like, oh, we're in for a good video clip. <laughs> it's true he's an aggressive dunker he's violent yeah. when he gets to the rim actually so he fun should to be watch. in the dunk contest this year i you know the dunk contest has lost some of its uh its shine i think what they really need to do is they need to get the big guys i think they need yeah. to fit they need to pay with they need to whatever whatever space jam 3 needs to get green lighted whatever it is to get lebron to finally do the dunk contest is needed um we need to see that before he retires. You, you need to see some of these big guys go back to the dunk contest. You know, I, I like seeing kind of the – get some of the younger players, mm-hmm. some guys that maybe have a chance to, like, prove themselves. I, I think it would be a lot of fun. We we get big, big names. Like, really make it just an all-star event. I think that would uh, kind of return. Like, if you, imagine, like, LeBron and Giannis, like, going, like, in the dunk contest together. Like, people would absolutely love that. People would love to watch that. Like bring Zach Levine back because he was like fantastic. Like that was one of his breakout moments. Was uh, the awesome like dunk contest he had. Like let's let's bring him back. Let's get the the band back together, shall we? LeBron, Giannis, Dwight Howard, Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, Joel <laughs> yeah, Embiid. I, 
Seriously, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And they're all like characters. I think they'd all like ham it up a little bit. You could like, I really think that's what the, the dunk contest needs. It needs a nice shot in the arm. I think that's, it needs the immunity boost going into the winter months, you know? <laughs> the dunk contest Avengers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into some survivor map because we had uh, one hell of a tribal council last week as the mafia pastor gets sent packing on a blindside. Shan no longer in the game and things are getting spicy. Um, I don't think it's too crazy to say that this is one of the best episodes of survivor ever yes um i think it was perfectly built towards and all that we've seen so far this season uh the dynamic between ricard and shan and how we're never quite sure who was really in control of that relationship uh was there someone that was there even someone in control or was it really just a true partnership um the undying love that Liana apparently has for Shan, which she confessed to her, uh, the the unspeakable bond that it's they have. It's beyond the game. It's beyond the game, uh, which I get and I respect, but uh, when you're still playing the game, I feel like, you know, you got to do what's best for the game, and yeah. I'm not sure that that was best for the game for Liana or for Shan. Liana um, would have been horrible on Blood versus Water. Yes. <laughs> I 100% agree. I think... I don't think that there was much Shan could have done different. I think she was really just completely roped along expertly. I think it was one of just the like best episodes I've seen from a pure like storytelling aspect. Like you have Ricard un- uncovering the plot to get himself out, goes out, wins immunity fantastically, and very quickly realizes and smartly realizes that if it wasn't for that necklace, he would be going home and Shan probably would have even voted for him to go home and realizing that this was his last probable opportunity to get Shan out and to make a big move and, and to move forward in the game on his own. And, um, you know, obviously a lot had been built up as well about Deshaun not trusting Shan and it flip-flopped about three times in the episode where Deshaun decided, actually, I do trust Shan. Actually, I don't trust Shan anymore. Uh, let's vote her out. I, I think it was just it was fantastic move all the way around, um, and man, it's another person too that goes home with a knife. And this is this is a, a theme that we've seen in Survivor a lot in the last few seasons. That a lot of times, I, I think the issue with having an idol is you you it forces you, and I think encourages you to think farther ahead than you need to be. Yes, and has you thinking that you're already at final six or five or whatever when you're still at final eight or final seven, like it, it really gives you this sense of comfort. Like you have the immunity necklace when you don't and mm-hmm. you have to be smart. And I think people are just, they want to hold that value for so long. And I get it. You don't want to burn your idol, but I think it's better to burn an idol and it not really have helped you rather than get voted out. Like Shannon and Nasir have, I mean, it, it is like getting to the next day. I think is the most important thing in the game is survivor. It doesn't like, doesn't matter all this superfluous stuff. I, I, I think Sandra has always said it best. I think she summed it up the best and the most funny and eloquent when she just says, I will vote forever isn't me. I'll write anyone else's name yep. down. It's just all about getting to the next day. It's all it, like, and that's why I hate throwing challenges. That's why I hate uh, putting yourself in the crossfire. That's why I would never want my name written down, even, even if I, you know, it's just a deflection or whatever. 
whatever I have to do to get the next day is what I'm doing. And sometimes that means maybe burning your idol. Um, but I, I don't think Shan saw this coming at all. No, not at all. And like she was, and we talked about this last week too. She was so like the game within the game, trying to micromanage so much of it that this totally caught her off guard. She was nowhere close ready for any type of blindside coming her way or any of the people she was aligned with's way. Um, I, I quite honestly was like happy with the way that tribal went down just because it showed that like the, the likes of Deshaun Ricard Xander and all of them, like they could go make a move behind the back of somebody that seemed like they were pulling a lot of the strings in the social game. Yeah. I, I think it was a great episode for Ricard. I think, you know, I, I felt that he could be a potential winner. Um, and I think you had him in your top three uh, last week as well. Yeah, Did you not? I believe so. Uh, I, I think, it, you know, it really showed his, like, his willing to be cut through it when he had to be. He, he immediately knew. He immediately knew, I have to turn on Chan. This is my moment. Like, this is just when I have to do it. Um, and I think it, it's not easy to do that. And he was able to convince everyone to do it. He was able to get people on board with it. I also thought, sneakily enough, Erica was fantastic as well. Yes, Erica and Heather really. I, I think Danny already did have a feeling that Liana. He was like leaning towards Liana and and uh, you know getting Shan out and, uh, but they really like pushed him into that vote. I feel I, I do feel like he was a lot more comfortable. So often we've seen with Danny that he like has his mind set and is not changing it. And, and that's been a, a theme with him and the Sean as well, where the Sean maybe tries to bounce different ideas. And he's like, no, it's just easy vote. Why are we, you know, like it was last <laughs> week, the, the week before where it was, the vote was Evie. He's like, it's Evie, obviously. Why would it be not, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I do love that about Danny, but um, yeah, I, I thought they did great to convince him. I, I think for, for Shan, I mean, she obviously, you know, goes out uh, saying that she's going to vote for Ricard, uh, which I don't know if that's, I'm putting the blame on you and I'm putting the target on you now, or if that is like that and a genuine good for Mm -hmm. you. Like, I think you have the best chance to win now. Uh, And then she's saying Deshaun's a snake. Um, It's part of the game. I get in the heat of the moment, you're definitely going to be upset, but uh, you know, Ricard also turned on you. I know that like you guys have had this kind of silent agreement about how you're both going to have to stab each other in the back at some point, but I mean, he did the same thing. In fact, he was probably even more influential in you going home that night. Erica, funnily enough, who Shan would not stop focusing on, was probably more influential in uh, in voting Shan off than really Deshaun was. It felt like Deshaun was just... I don't even know that he was the swing vote necessarily. No. I just think he felt the momentum. It was like, all right, you know, this works for me in my game, I think. Yeah, because it was like everything was being pinned on him, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go and flip this and, and change it to you know, the person pulling the strings. And I also think Shan saying that she was going to vote for Ricard. What another, you know, knockdown on the pedestal that is for Liana, who's sitting right there, who just went, you know, tie votes with you. And she just confessed her friendship love for you outside of the game. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not voting for you. Well, well, she told Liana not to trust anyone in the game, Kyle. So true. That's that's a big, <laughs> that's a big piece of advice, parting advice that she gave her. Um should she have not trusted? Because this is all kind of Liana's fault for spilling yeah. the plant because this all... I don't know that if Liana doesn't tell Shan that, I actually don't know that Shan goes home. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it probably is Erica. 
Um, yeah, either Erica or Deshaun. Like, I don't know that Chan is gone if Liana does not spill that plan to her. It's all kind of Liana's fault in a way. Yeah. Um, which is tough to see. Liana is really. I, fell I off feel like it. she does not have any sort of path to winning this game. No, I, I didn't. I felt that way as soon as she got uh, fake idled. Um, I felt that immediately that that was uh, already going to be a tough sell if you're getting in front of a jury and having to explain that, you know, that situation and how you miscalculated that and how you burned one of the most overpowered advantages that we've had in the game ever. And you, you came up with nothing. Um, and I felt that, you know, she was always going to be uh, seen as Shan's minion. That's exactly how she was described by other players. Uh, and we've seen it in, in past seasons um, where those people, whether it's true or not, I don't want to say that that's 100% true, but that is people's perception. And that's just the yeah. reality of it. If, if people perceive you to be that way, then that's just it. That, that is their, their reality of you. That may not necessarily be the truth. I think there have been people in the past that have been unfairly perceived or unfairly characterized uh, when they've actually probably been better at the game or more influential in a way. I do think Liana, I mean, she, she said it herself, this is beyond the game of saying this to you because I love you. You shouldn't be saying that. Whatever yeah. you're about to say should not be said then because this is a game. You are playing for a million dollars. You have to, it's easy for us to say, but I think you have to, to put so much of that aside uh, when you're still playing the game. It's not, I'm sorry. You know, you can't, you can't worry about friendships and, and things like that um, in that moment. And I think everyone understands you're playing a game and that you're going to have to burn someone eventually. I mean, it, what are you going to get the final tribal council? And just, I mean, she said as much, she was happy to lose the Shan at the end. I don't really get that perspective. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Uh, I would never go into a situation like this where I'm starving for 26 days and be comfortable knowing losing. that I have no chance of winning, like yeah. losing to someone else. Like, no, <laughs> I want to win. You play to win the game, you know? Exactly. And, uh, you know, we don't have to rush into an episode of Survivor tonight, so that's going to bring us to our, our three up and three down. Uh, and we're also going to add on, uh, since we have another day to think about it, our pickup prop of the week brought to you by our friends at Play Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Uh, we got some big news coming down the pipeline with them starting potentially next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but you rack up points, build your fan profile, cash them in for prizes, go to playpickup.com now. Um, Matt, who do you got three up heading into this next episode of Survivor? It's getting, it is, the pickings are slim. It's Danny Deshaun Ricard. Danny Deshaun has yes. been in my, my top three for uh, weeks now. Uh, has Danny had a vote cast against him this year? I, I don't believe he has. I I, I I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I I do not believe Danny yeah. has had it. And you know, I think again, we've we've talked about him that he has been the you know, we, we called him Teflon Danny uh, yeah. because <laughs> just nothing sticks to him. He no. he gets. I think he will be a person that gets a lot of credit for what is for the, the strategy and the alliance building. And he seems like a good like social person. People seem to like Danny. He seems like a, a nice person to be around. Uh, like a just a, a people people like Danny. It seems. Um, without getting kind of the heat that Deshaun has. Deshaun's name has been written down plenty. His name has been mentioned plenty. Uh, and people seem to be a little more negative looking towards Deshaun. I, I just wonder in the end who builds the better case. But yeah, both of them, I think it's hard to separate. Um, and I, I would be interested in seeing the, those two sit at the end um, because I, I, I don't know 
that's a tough that's a tough yeah. one um and ricard i think i mean if that's your final three good luck i good you know, grief <laughs> that would be an electric final three you might be talking about the best final three ever. I don't know. Like I, I, I would yeah. struggle. I would have to actually really sit down and, and map it out. I, I don't know. That who. would be a final three. At least every person's getting a vote. Right. I, yeah, I, I don't know that anyone's getting the, uh, overlooked in that one. So Ricard, I, I think deserved in that third spot. I think he was working his way up there, uh, even before this, but, um, has shown himself to be very good at these immunity challenges. We know that when it becomes individual immunity, they focus a lot more on like the endurance and, the. Uh, the, the the puzzle building and sort of unique like games and carnival style games that are you know a, a little different you know and, and that i think he just seems to have a good mastery of and it seems to be very competitive in and very good in he's a guy that i could see winning another one or two immunity challenges on his own and um i think just very smartly took the information that he was given and made the right decision with it which is not an easy thing to do it was not an easy choice i don't think but got people on board and um i i i think it was a very very big moment and very big turning episode for him uh three down i you know i i have turned on erica i think we've seen a lot more from her um however i it's hard for me to move her out of the bottom three partly because of numbers now um i will say xander seems like he's in a very difficult spot yeah i'm not sure where his game goes from here, I would love to see it. He sells an idol, which is big. And again, yeah, just like Ricard, he's been in every individual immunity challenge. He's been someone that I think has shown that he has the endurance, he has the stamina, he has like definitely the willpower, and he has some of that like just like weird like tactile skills to get these things done. Um, for me, I think it's still Erica, Heather, Liana. I, yeah. I, Heather and Liana, both of them, unfortunately, I don't. I would be shocked to see them win Survivor. I mean, truly. <laughs> yeah. Erica, I could at least, you know, if if it's the right final three, maybe she's at least <laughs> made a couple of moves now. Hey, that... Shan clearly saw her as a threat, and we saw that she does have a, a good power of persuasion, and that she does seem she seems like people, someone that may, maybe people do like, it, you know, as a person, and maybe would respect their game at the end. So, um, and she reset just... the game with that hourglass move. Big move. Big move. It's just hard to see the path for Erica for me uh, for winning, unfortunately. I, I'm just not sure that I'm, I'm there. And I don't know if this is just because it is such a condensed season. And by the way, my three up and three down are exactly the same as yours. But do you find it weird that like nobody has gone on a hunt now for, at least last week, Nasir's Idol that allegedly should I be wonder back if in they the game. did off camera and it's just not exciting and yeah they've all kind of just concluded that the idols are out of the game now um that would be my guess is that it just didn't make very good interesting tv uh and they all kind of went off and looked and no one found anything and kind of came to the conclusion that yeah they're they're not back in the game but yeah i i, I was wondering if that was going to be brought up at all about what's going to happen with these idols um who knows? Maybe now that something... both of them are back, maybe we'll see something this week. It, you know, I mean, that's there's definitely precedent for that with with idols being reintroduced to the game. I mean, that used to be the thing when one got voted out, it would get uh, recirculated. When you have three that had more special rules attached, yeah. I do wonder if we do see some. I mean, we saw in the preview, obviously, there's some kind of twist. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we know that Survivor loves to pretend like there's big twists when sometimes <laughs> there isn't. Um, 
so yeah, I, I do wonder what that could be, you know, if that's just another advantage or, you know, we know that they did the old hide the advantage at reward uh, challenge again. Like, yeah, because we I saw them wonder... put Brad's idol back into the game when he was voted out and then Genie and the rest of everybody else found it way back when. I think that was mostly because the other two idols uh, were dependent on that one being found and activated. Uh, since they've all been activated now, I just wonder if that's it. You know, that those are the idols in the game and then maybe we'll see something new. I would be surprised if we don't see another advantage in the next two. Uh, simply because it's very often that there is like a random one near the end game to kind of like give hope to someone or or give ultimate power to someone, you know, like the give kind of the, either the game or the chance to win the game to someone else. And that'll bring us to the pickup prop of the week. Who's getting voted off Survivor next, Matt? Uh, I feel like it's setting up for Xander. I feel like... Uh, Man, I, I just it's hard it's hard for me to see him making out of these situations. because uh, he is such a threat and he is not Danny or Deshaun who seem in control of this game. I, I do wonder if you see though that pair seems really untouchable. Mm-hmm. It, and it's gonna take one of them turning on the other, I think, for that to change. And we could see that. I mean, now that Shan is, is voted out, you could see the, some disruption, maybe Liana partners up with uh, Erica and Heather and decides to, to, I think that's probably the better path for her going forward. Really? Yeah. If I was, if I was doing Island of the Idols thing and I'm, I'm Rob and Sandra talking to her, that would be what I would tell. I was like, Hey, like realistically your best option is actually probably pivoting now and going with Eric and Heather. Uh, Cause you can beat Heather and you may be able to, if you make a good move and you kind of, you know, recover yourself a little bit, you could, you can maybe beat Erica, you know, like that's, that you're not beating Danny Deshaun, and I don't see you standing up to, to Xander either. At the end, I think Ricard is a very tough sell at this point, especially when your closest ally just said she's giving him her vote for a million dollars. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Xander might be it. I just I because I think he's the biggest threat, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Danny and Deshaun maybe maybe side eye each other a little bit and think this might be my best chance to get this guy out because i do they want to sit at the end next to each other we haven't really gotten that from them we know that they've been pretty much tight from day one yeah um but like there has to be both of them i think with the realization that i'm not sure i want to sit with this guy at the end i'm not sure i want to be splitting votes with him at final tribal um and i i I think you could you could definitely see a, a big move like that this week I think it's going to be Liana just because Shan's gone now and the for the culture alliance is like there there's a hole there now that Which I think we were we were we had a, a fair read on and that it did it did always kind of feel like Liana and Shan and Danny and Deshaun yeah. not Liana Shan Danny Deshaun as a full unit it did right. feel like the two pairs were just there and they were working together but at a point it felt like there was going to be some disruption there. It's hard. It's hard to keep an alliance like that going because you all look around and realize that if you want to make a move, it has to happen now. And very quickly we see, you know, people at the top get taken down because you're, you're not going to beat them. Otherwise you have to to strike while you can. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting episode to see how it all shakes out. Um, We'll be watching tomorrow. And obviously when you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, uh, it will be, Wednesday so enjoy the episode of Survivor 
Uh, follow at Buffs and Snuffs for all of our Survivor content on the Twitter machine. And, of course, follow us at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. We got our Bryce Harper MVP celebration jersey giveaway going on. It's our pinned tweet on our profile. All you got to do is retweet and follow at Underground PHI on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. New episode of Top Bins dropped today as well. Be sure to check Matt and Dom out at FC Top Bins, dropping all that soccer content on your heads. And uh, check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, which will have some new uh, added additions very, very soon uh, for all of our written content. And, of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about this Phillies hot stove run. Do you think we'll have baseball next year with the lockout looming? Uh, how you're feeling about this Sixers team now that Joel Embiid is back? And any Survivor stuff you want to throw our way, leave it in the podcast reviews. We will read them on the pod if you drop them in there. That gets precedent. Uh, five stars only, though, because we have standards. We know you do, too, and we know they're five stars. Um, be sure to check out all of our shows across the network. Like I said, Top Ends, Outside the Box, Streamer Season, Fourth and Goal, Get in the Hole, the whole nine yards. Be sure to check all of our shows out on the network. Big thank you to our sponsors. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, Tomahawk Shades, Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com, use promo code USP, you get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, you get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com. Use promo code USP on the one liter bottles of vodka. You get 10% off those bad boys. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer, use the Kenny tracker at kenwoodbeer.com to see who's got Kenwood on tap. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. Might have to plan a uh, a Milan Liverpool uh, watch along with, with you and Dom this go around. I'm not uh, sure Dom's heart be... can take uh, can take something <laughs> like that, but I'll try and convince him. He might pull his hair out. Um, but this has been uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 382. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next week, we are signing off. Peace. I'm